Hello, everyone, and welcome to the new year, a new quarter. This week, we will be talking about an article that came out of University of California, San Diego, specifically out of a team led by Doigu Kuzam. They are a part of the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering at the University of California, San Diego. And the article that we will be discussing is called Multimodal Monitoring of Human Cortical Organoids Implanted in Mice Reveal Functional Connection with Visual Cortex. So in order to understand anything about this article, I first just quickly want to explain human what a human cortical organoid is. Basically, it's they're made out of or made using human-induced pluripotent stem cells, which are cells that can become anything, basically. And they're grown and self-organized into a 3D tissue that resembles the structure of the brain, specifically, in this case, the cerebral cortex. And they can potentially be used in next generations for disease models, drug screening, personalized medicine, and transplantable neural prosthetics. Cortical organoids in a dish have actually like similar expression profiles to a fetus or a postnatal human, and even electrical activity that resembles a neonatal human, like a, a newborn. And this is why these cortical organoids are a, they can be a good model to kind of see the, the development of a, a human brain, small sized. And in these cortical organoids, the cortical layers are even formed and great cell type diversity is created. And so there's like different, many different types of cells. And previous work has even shown that these organoids can be implanted into mice, a mouse cortex, and establish vascularization. So like blood vessels that run through it, provide nutrients, and axonal growth, which means this organoid, like the axons from the neurons in this organoid has grown out and connected with the host tissue or the surrounding neurons of the mouse. This previous work has not shown, however, that these cortical organoids can respond to external stimuli. So this technology that doesn't exist would be needed in order to measure this and if like how the organoid would react to external stimuli. So they decided to create a technology that allowed them to do this. <laughs> and this is because it's like a longitudinal study that like they study in, in the same individual over a long period of time. And so they would need something that would be able to do that. And here they use a optically transparent graphene microelectro technology that will allow them to monitor the cortical organoid in the retrosplenal cortex of the mouse. So the rectal splenial cortex, for all you non-neuroscientists, is a brain region sort of in like the middle of the brain. And it's responsible for a wide range of um, neurological functions, including episodic memory, navigation, imaging, and planning the future. And in this case, they put it into the left part of it. I mean, the brain is split into two halves, right? They put it on the left side, which is actually located right next to the visual cortex. And we'll see why that's important in a moment. And they used this tech and were able to make an implant out of it that would record the signals of the cortical organoids in the mouse brain as it was awake and going about its life. The mouse, which is shown in one of the figures, is like wearing this hat-like thing, which is basically just a plastic protecting that's protecting all these sensors, 
while the while the rat is in its cage, and then they remove that when they want to measure data. So if you look at the paper that they reference for this technology, the images are actually really fascinating. I don't know if you guys got a chance to do that, but it's also from the same guy because he developed the technology, and I think he posted a paper about the technology first, and then kind of in this paper showed what its potentials are. And basically, they have the, these really beautiful, clear images of neurons in the mouse brain that are very clear and fascinating. <laughs> the images, like they are of dendrites and of neurons captured and that kind of remind me of like a dense branch network of a tree sort of how i would describe it to you people listening because you can't well i mean you can go look at it if you look it up but yeah they then performed some post-mortem analysis but i'll get into that so the results are as follows the transplanted graphene microelectrode arrays used were multifunctional actually they so they recorded the electrical activity which is like therefore the neurological activity because neurons interact with each other through propagating electrical signals sort of and of the cortical organoids and surrounding neurons that's what they the electrical activity was recording and they also recorded optical imaging of these regions to observe new connections created by between these cortical organoids and the host neurons. And the specific site chosen, as I said, was the left retrospinal cortex. It's partly actually because of its dense vascularization network. And this was hoping to increase the chances of the cortical organoid integrating into, or yeah, integrating into the vascularization of the mouse in order to get nutrients and survive. And in order for them to place this organoid into the mouse brain and for it to both fit and then be imaged, a three by three millimeter area of skull was actually removed. And then a one millimeter cubed piece of mouse brain was removed and replaced by a similar sized cortical organoid, which is again, human cells. The sensor was then used to close up this hole. And they made measurements biweekly for eight to 11 weeks. And they applied a visual stimulus to see if the organoid would generate electrical signals, which would occur if it had integrated with the neighboring visual cortex. And then three weeks after implantation, these signals were actually observed, which was really cool. That was really quickly. And the observed propagation of signal in the visual cortex neurons flowed to the cortical organoid neurons as if two initially unconnected electrical wires suddenly linked together, forming one big wire, basically allowing like this electro signal to pass through as if you've connected these wires. And now you have this signal coming from the visual cortex and stimulating the cortical organoids. And that's what they were able to measure with this special sensor that they created. The mice are actually also given, they, they performed further tests and gave the mice anesthesia. And they saw that the cortical organoid had higher activity in the surrounding tissue. That is, the cortical organoid was less affected by the anesthesia because anesthesia lowers neuronal activity. They hypothesized that this is because the cortical organoid is only able to communicate with local surrounding neurons and not long-range projections because long-range projections takes longer than 8 to 11 weeks based on how fast human neurons kind of create these long-range projections. And 
The cortical organoid was also investigated using two-photon microscopy, which with injection of a tracer into the mouse veins that allowed them to see the vasculature that was present in this cortical organoid region. So that was pretty special. And then when the organoids are grown in cultures that perform, or the, the perfect, so the, the whole point of putting it into a mouse brain is that it's very difficult to recreate the microenvironment that the stem cells need in order to produce a like a brain structure that's actually like a brain structure. Because when these organisms are grown in cultures, the perfect microenvironment is very difficult to replicate. So the phenotype and maturation of these human-induced pluripotent stem cells to a neuron can be very different than expected. So this study obviously aims to show the use of graphene microelectrodes to visualize the implant without intruding the site because they want to leave it alone and let it grow. And if they have this permanent att attachment to the mouse brain, they're able to view it every two weeks, which is really clever. And yeah, it allows them to see the progress as these neurons grow because that's the whole goal. Yeah, I thought this was a super cool paper. And really highlights the importance of collaboration. I think that it was like, I'm trying to remember how many departments we're working on. If it was like computer and electrical engineering, biomedical engineering, I think that uh, like molecular biology. And then some of these obviously are just like people associated with multiple departments. But I think this it's kind of, it's, it's a really fascinating paper. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many different universities contributed, but there was some from Boston University, and some other places, I think, as well. Fred Hutch. Yeah, it looks, it looks like we got South Institute for Biological Studies in California, and that might just be associated with UCSD. But yeah, UCSD, the, the hospital in Norway, the, Nor the Norman Center in Oslo. We even had the Hebrew University of Jerusalem in Israel. So, yeah, I would, yeah. I would say a, a pretty broad <laughs> range of individuals. And then, yeah, like you said, you had uh, Harvard Medical School as well. Yep. Yeah, something I found interesting from the paper was that they talked about how, like, the cortical organoids in the dish have an expression profile that matches that of a fetal or a postnatal human cortical development. But in, like, the anesthesia experiment, they were talking about how the organoid cells uh, behave similarly to adult-born neurons. I was wondering, like, how <laughs> that happened. Well, I think, or at least my prediction would be, is because when they were saying that these organoids can behave like neonatal human brains, it was because they had grown them in petri dishes, which is, like, it's very difficult to mimic the microenvironment that they would actually be in and all these different hormones that are needed at the perfect time for these cells to become the cell, the type of neuron that they're supposed to be. I think that's my yeah. so it like it occurred because like it was connected to like the host cortex and the mouse's neurons. I think so. But then again, I think I'm not sure how much they grew this cortical organoid before they actually put it into the mouse brain and whether it was mm -hmm. actually fully matured it's just when they put it into mouse brain it made connections with the mouse brain so i am not sure actually that's a good question 
Yeah, and they also mentioned that the cortical organoids um, preserve the genetic background of individual human patients compared to animal models. So have they done this with like animal cortical organoids? And I was wondering why the human ones like preserve like the genetic background of the patients. Well, if you think about it, the organoids are made from stem cells. So basically they can take skin cells from the human patient and then turn them into stem cells and then grow these stem cells as an organoid. And and that like, rather than observing a mouse brain that has nothing to do with this patient, but like in a mouse brain with the same disease, for example. So like, I'm trying to <laughs> so I was just like, so they said compared to animal models, have they done this with like animal models where they take cortical organoids like the, from animal stem cells? Uh, I, I was under the impression that they just meant like animal models as viewing an animal brain, but okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that's kind of, I assumed that they were like, hey, we can actually look at like human, like the human response to things versus the animal response that we're then going to, you know, basically extrapolate to humans. That was how I... Okay. It looks like they did about seven to, seven to nine weeks on the... They, so they grew the cortical organoids about seven to nine weeks, and then they implanted them. And I think they imaged them after roughly 11 weeks. Yeah. The part that I thought was really cool was that it did take time for the organoids. So like, as you said, the three weeks after. So it kind of showed that like the organoids adapted to their environment, you know, grew into their environment a little bit, and then you ended up with vascularization and like connections. It's interesting to think, like, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. If you look at the pictures, they're really cool. Yeah, the the pictures are crazy. And the fact that you can see the dendrites. Oh, is that the figure five? Yes. It's funny, because you said dendrite, and my immediate thought went to, like, a dendritic cell. And I was like, I don't think you can see the cells in here. And then I realized (laughs) you were talking about something else. The neurons. Yes. (laughs) I thought it was a pretty cool paper. I wonder if this will, like, the idea is that this can be applied eventually for, you know, medical purposes. I mean, obviously, this is very impressive for studying, like studying neuronal responses or brain responses to stimuli. But I wonder if this is something they think will eventually be used for medical purposes for, like, brain damages. Yeah, like, uh, for example, at least in my mind, what I was thinking about when I was reading this was, for example, patients that have had a stroke and a brain region that's died or lost function, maybe being able to mm-hmm. replace that. But I don't know how realistic that is. Okay. I was just Go going to mention that the technique that they developed could be maybe used to study like neural pathways. I feel like there's a lot that we still need to learn in terms of like neural pathways and networks in the brain. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the biggest things is the fact that they had this clear it's like a, a translucent graphene node and that's actually what allowed them to do the imaging mm-hmm. um, so I mean, it's, re- it's really clever to actually make it a permanent sensor yeah i'm i'm interested to see how this technology is also just like used not not even maybe in the context of these implants but just in general yeah i feel like it definitely could have a, a wider range of use especially like longitudinally be it would i think it would be really interesting because they only did it for 11 weeks but to do it for a like a a substantial longitudinal period of time and actually see how much differentiation or like growth of the neurons you get because 
they said like, yeah, the neurons behave similarly to the adult neurons, but they still like lack long range projections and they're really localized. So if you left it for a long period of time, would you see, you know, development of some projections and whatnot? Right. And you know, something that I was curious about building on that was like, are these connections the same connections that the mouse had there before? Because just because that, that it's making connections doesn't mean that it's like the same, you know what I mean? Like it might not be the same type of circuit that's created. So, so is it like might, sending different I, data to the brain? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. That's a good point. Yeah. Like what parts of the brain can you replace? <laughs> yeah. Like memory, for example, that, that would never make sense because you, you would have to recreate all the circuits at like the same strength. But if you're just putting stem cells in there that have to grow, then, yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah. I don't know. Brain research is, is kind of wacky, a little wild. Yeah. I mean, their, their sample sizes, I think, are kind of small. Uh, like, you, it's hard to have huge sample sizes. Yeah, they only yeah, use six like, animals. Yeah. Like, they're, because they did some, a really interesting staining on that figure 5a you can also they they did antibody staining where you can see like oh here where the human cells are and here is where the um like the mouse cells are just based on like cell uh cell surface yeah, i was just gonna mention uh, that yeah but i do agree the staining was really cool and also the that they used antibodies to identify the organoid so that they could visualize and they like know that they're looking at the organoid or not yeah, the host neurons. But what I thought was interesting, and like I'm not sure if you guys caught this. Well, not if you got like if you know the answer to this. But these antibodies were only put in when they were doing the post mortem observations. Mm-hmm. How when they were visualizing the like when the mouse was alive, how did they how were they able to mm-hmm. distinguish the mouse neurons to the human neurons? I think they used some sort of Tracer. I don't know what this. Yeah, it's an intravascular tracer, Alexa Floor six eighty. But that's for I, I, that's for the mice, like veins, like for the the blood vessels. Oh, yeah. Um, you know that's a great. I don't know how they. You know, maybe they just know like where the organoid is, or maybe they did the analysis post mortem. That's a good point. I don't really know how they were actually able to tell. Where the which one was where the organoid was? I would assume they like just like know in general where it is, and so they're able to just look vascularization there. I don't know. Yeah, I think they just like focused. They like know where the implantation site is. Like they've marked it in like previous figures, and I think they're just basing it off that. Yeah, I mean, I guess the actual sensors are right above where they put the implant, so it's not like they could miss it. But also a, a cool demonstration like optimization in this was that obviously they were recording like electrical signals but they had to know that they were recording like the electrical signals of the cortical organoid and not getting background noise from the actual mouse neurons so they had to create or they had to figure out like what level of electrical activity they, they would observe from the background and make sure to like get rid of that and not identify that as cortical organoid activity yeah i don't i mean i don't know if they developed that whole statistical test but that was definitely an interesting part of it was some of the mathematics 
behind the statistics. Yeah. Like, or just like the statistical methods they use was, I, I don't quite get what they did there, but. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to give a brief review. <laughs> that was my understanding of it. Yeah. Oh, it, it might just be like something that's commonly done. Just looking at the citations, it might just be something that's commonly done when you're dealing with neuro, like some of your electrophysiology. Yeah. Okay, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Daily Discoveries.